Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott send immigrants, one to Martha's Vineyard and the other to the home of VP Kamala Harris in what could be one of the most epic trolls of all time. But of course, this move is eliciting imagery of Nazi Germany from our media class. And so it leaves us with the question, what should we think about it? We'll talk about that and more today on IndieThinker. Don't forget, today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Anchor. That's A-N-C-U-R dot B-I-Z. They are your one-stop shop, not only for business solution needs, but also for facilitating the vision of your business. Now, I don't know about you, but when I went into business, I didn't do it so that I could start an accounting firm or collect receipts until my car is overflowing with them, um, or even try to go into business so that I could pull out my phone constantly and figure out how much payroll taxes to take out of my payroll. Those are things that I am very blessed to be able to outsource to a company like Anchor. And so you should know that they're not just a sponsor of this show, they are also my accountants. So I can speak firsthand from experience that these guys will put legs underneath your vision. So don't waste time doing all of these tasks that you could outsource to another company that can do it with great excellence that will free you up to do what you have been called to do with your business. So go over to ancur.biz today. And if you let them know that IndieThinker sent you, they're running a special right now on payroll solutions. So go over there today and let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Thanks for watching the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe today. We're going to do what we do every week. We're going to crush echo chambers through the combination of faith and reason. As our culture moves further and further away from both of those things, we're starting to see some of the repercussions of it. So I think as we bridge those things back together, we'll start to see some of the solutions that we need to come back to at least a coherent society. Now, um, I, I want to start the show with an anecdote like I often do, um, and I want to do so because Halloween is right around the corner. So uh, medicine is slowly but surely becoming a Dr. Frankenstein one-stop shop of, of butchery, and the story that I have to show has a little bit something to do with what I want to try to aim at today with with immigration and what's going on. So uh, just recently, Business Insider posted this story about cosmetic lang lengthening. Now, this is the latest story in what is a panoply of different trans identities that are out there. So apparently, you can also be trans tall, and that's what this surgery is intended to try to do, is to try to make people even up to six inches taller than they presently are. So the the surgery uh, sounds deeply excruciating, and this Business Insider story goes into detail about it. So here's what it says. A man who borrowed $75,000 for leg lengthening surgery that made him three inches taller will spend $1,200 a month on repayments for the next five years, GQ magazine reported. John Lovedale in his mid-40s explained why he went through the painful months-long surgery. I noticed, and he says this, quote, I noticed that taller people just seem to have it easier. The world seems to bend for them, end quote. So Lovedale took out a loan from SoFi to pay for this surgery, which cost anywhere between $70,000 to $150,000, depending upon whether the patient wants to grow by three, four, five, or even six inches tall. Cosmetic leg lengthening was originally intended to help patients with real conditions, but it is now becoming a more common cosmetic surgery. The procedure itself sounds excruciating. The doctor breaks the patient's femur or thigh bones and inserts adjustable metal nails into them. 
GQ reported that the nails are extended slightly every day for three months with a magnetic remote control. It can take months to slowly lengthen the bones and for the legs to heal. Now, as horrible as that surgery sounds, and as much as it sounds like it directly comes from Dr. Frankenstein's butcher shop, the reason I bring that story up is two things. Is one, yet another way of looking at Big Pharma and exposing that they will stop at nothing to make money at the expense of people with zero regard to the repercussions of such a surgery like this. But also, too, that this is yet another surgery with the promise of making somebody feel something that surgeries can't actually accomplish. It's very much the same thing in the trans movement, that if a girl trapped in a boy's body as though that were a thing that actually exists um, outside of the very real phenomenon of gender dysphoria, um, that if you get surgery for that, that it will automatically make you feel better. In the same way that unicorns exist, this surgery will take away the existential crisis that you're experiencing. Now, the same thing is happening with this lengthening surgery. Well, if you're just three inches taller or four inches taller at the expense of excruciating bone crushing surgery, then your world will be totally different. Now, as a tall speak person speaking to any potential trans tall people out there, I just want to tell you, sure, it's easier to reach things up above on shelves, but just wait till you get a little bit older and then you start bending down. My back. Suffice to say, the reason I bring the story up is just this, is that the further we move away from things like Christianity in the American West, we're experiencing more and more existential crisis. And we're looking for something to scratch the itch of meaning and the purpose for our existence, but we will never find it under the blade of a cosmetic surgeon, whether it be in the transgender movement or in the trans tall person movement. And the reason I bring that up within the context of immigration is just simply this, is that we're constantly looking for the government to do something that they ultimately can't do or at least won't do. And, and we're looking for the government to be something that it is not. And that's no more the case than in the subject of immigration as we're seeing what just took place uh, with Texas Governor Abbott and Texas Governor DeSantis. So let me illustrate the story and then I'll tell you what I mean in terms of the government not being able to provide the actual receipts for the things that it says that it can that it can do. So a recent decision to make Democrats put their money where their mouth is sparked outrage as Ron DeSantis sent immigrants to Martha's Vineyard and as Greg Abbott sent 50 immigrants to uh, to the front door of VP Kamala Harris's home. Now, the immediate outrage that this sparked from the media, of course, went to the same old reservoir of Nazi imagery because they love to talk about Nazis. However, the real problem, as always, is not that the Democrats are demonizing their opponents, which is the most superficial and simple-minded thing a person can do, but actually... The real shocking thing about all of this is that it shows that the Democrats possess so much false compassion and know so little about the perils of actually coming into America from Mexico. Breaking news tonight concerning actions taken by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. His office confirms that he sent two private planes carrying almost 50 undocumented migrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Now, the group includes children. Shocking. Children were sent on an air-conditioned plane to a paradise, a getaway where most people like to vacation if they can actually afford it. For those who actually care to really pay attention, 
things that happen on the border in border towns are way worse than this on a monthly basis. Check this out. Right here we have an eight-year-old unaccompanied minor. She's gonna show me her number, her phone number. That's her only source of identity. Esa te lo escribió tu mamá para encontrarlo a tu primo. Échalo en tu bolsita y llamarlo otra vez, ¿ok? No lo pierdas, ¿ok? Al final cuando el bolpacho te te diga, le dice ese es mi ese es mi número para que me hables a mi mamá, ¿ok? So if you want to pour out your bleeding heart, this is a great opportunity to do so because little children are sent over the border unattended like this all the time. And ultimately, what these men were just doing was trying to actually get people to pay attention to this. I understand it's scary to be shipped into a place by a stranger and not to know where you're going, but you can probably take my word for it that DeSantis sharing the burden of illegal immigration does not even compare to the strangers or the coyotes that are shipping people to places across the border every single day because those guys, unlike DeSantis, they actually extort people for money and they rape people and they force people to traffic drugs and they murder people. So in other words, every single day, thousands of people pour into our borders and only now, these pearl-grasping virtue signalers seem to care about it. For, for most of our elitist class, this is out of sight and out of mind. As long as you don't have to see it, then you don't have to care about it. But the moment it shows up at your doorstep, then we get to fake like we care. Authentic compassion doesn't hop in front of the line during a midterm election. It actually cares about things that are going on on a regular basis and how the the Biden administration is actually handling things on a regular basis. And this is how they're doing. And this is a report from Breitbart, who I don't often like to quote, but frankly, you can get this report almost anywhere because it's just plain facts. Quote, the illegal immigration crisis at the U.S. southern border presents a national security threat and a humanitarian catastrophe for the vulnerable people involved. Illegal migration to the United States has reached monumental levels since the Biden administration entered office. Since January 2021, U.S. law enforcement has encouraged over 2.6 million migrants trying to enter the United States illegally from Mexico, northern Central America, and countries beyond. Now listen to this. On average, over 171,840 immigrants have sought to enter the United States illegally per month during this period with the highest monthly total reaching 234,088 in April of 2022. Now, the real reason Compassion would have acted way before now is stories just like this. A sweltering summer day in Texas, with temperatures topping 100 degrees, contributing to one of the country's deadliest human smuggling cases in recent history. Quite a few of them are already deceased. The tragedy unfolding Monday in a rural part of San Antonio. 46 people found dead in the back of this stifling truck. The first call's coming in just before 6 p.m. The, the truck driver is running southbound on foot on, along the railroad tracks. Police say a local worker made the terrible discovery after hearing cries for help. Authorities found the abandoned semi-truck with its doors partially opened. We're not supposed to open up a truck and see stacks of bodies in there. Officials say the likely cause of death heat stroke. 
Now, you might think I just chose that story because of the similarity in numbers here. 46 dead in the back of a truck and 50 migrants shipped to Martha's Vineyard and 50 shipped to the front door of Kamala's, Kamala Harris's home. Uh, but, but you'd be wrong. The reason I chose that story is because the media does not cover almost any of the plight and the stories of people that are traveling through the interior of Mexico to get to America. So I found it actually really, really hard to actually even find any stories that cover what takes place. They seem all but uninterested in telling that story, but only want to tell the story when it involves Republicans who are doing things that actually make them wake up to what's really going on. Now, the reason I bring all of this up is a couple of things, is that Right now, we're hearing the Democrats call to investigate Ron DeSantis for misappropriation of funds. And according to the Washington Post, quote, scrutiny mounts over DeSantis's use of state funds for migrant flights. So we're told in this Washington Post story that DeSantis used $12 million of taxpayer funds to send undocumented migrants from his state to Martha's Vineyard. And we're supposed to, I guess, feign outrage at the fact that this just took place. However, there's a bigger problem going on here than just the $12 million that DeSantis used to create this stunt at Martha's Vineyard. In fact, from the AG in Texas back in 2021, he said that it cost the taxpayers $850 million each year to handle illegal immigration into Texas. So $12 million in comparison to how much it cost the taxpayers of California and Texas and even Florida to handle illegal immigration into their states because the federal government will not do anything about it is a small price to pay. But also bring this up for a second reason, is that we're hearing that this is a humanitarian crisis when 50 people show up at Martha's Vineyard and 50 people show up at the doorstep of Kamala Harris's home. And here's a tweet from the county seat of Martha's Vineyard. Due to an unexpected urgent humanitarian situation, hashtag DCEMA are opening emergency shelters tonight on Martha's Vineyard. If you're willing and able to volunteer in a clinical or non-clinical role, contact at Duke's office at, well, you get the point. So let me get this straight. 50 people are sent to Martha's Vineyard and all of a sudden it's a, quote, humanitarian crisis. But tens of thousands of people pour through the border in Texas each day and they're just supposed to shut up and take it. But don't worry, those people in Martha's Vineyard, their heart was poured out in compassion. And while some did genuinely take care of others, uh, those 50 immigrants um, in that sanctuary city were quickly shipped over to a military base so that the military could take care of them instead of, instead of the people of Martha's Vineyard. I noticed that no mansions were opening up to make sure that these people were taken care of adequately. The reason I bring this up simply is this. The real problem is not leftist hypocrisy over immigration or Republicans using people as pawns to prove their point. The real problem is that we want the government to do our compassion for us. Democracy was never a tool for philanthropy in the first place. G.K. Chesterton said this. Democracy is not philanthropy. It is not even altruism or social reform. Democracy is not founded on pity for the common man. Democracy is founded on reverence for the common man. So when I open the show with a story about trying to find meaning and purpose in something that will never give it to them, because that is exactly what we're doing with our modern day government. We're constantly looking for them to be benevolent on our behalf. But we have to understand that the government is not meant to be benevolent. And we're seeing that 
before our very eyes. All of the claims of compassion and benevolence on the left seem nothing more than a hypocritic, hypocritical stance. The truth is, is that Democrats are having to right now rediscover the purpose for immigration policy now that they're having to face the consequences of their policy. And boy, their compassion kind of stinks. So, so much for sanctuary cities. But this is the problem. The government's involvement in things that they shouldn't be involved in in the first place always ends badly. Now, think about it this way. I'm glad that there is a small welfare state in America, but their exponential influence in welfare has actually been a bad thing. Their influence in adoption, their influence in healthcare, and then ultimately in vaccines, all didn't end too well. I mean, it's a small, small step from them saying you have to have government-approved health insurance to them saying now you must stick this government health procedure into your body. And it's ultimately just this constant cycle of idiocy. The government creates problems so that then they can become the solution for the problem, all the while stretching the bounds of what government was intended to do in the first place. Essentially, DeSantis and Abbott are only saying this. The federal government is the problem. And if they won't fix it or won't listen to us, we will make them listen. And it's hard to fault them for, for wanting to get the federal government to listen when they're the ones causing the problem. So expecting benevolence from the government is like expecting customer service at Walmart. What we, what we can't do is hope that they will do the right thing because they haven't in the past. So what we can do is we can try to help them see the consequences for what they are doing. And that's, I think, what DeSantis and Abbott were trying to do in the first place. But I think it's important to understand, yet again, the importance of democracy, the importance of what our government was really intended to do in the first place, so that we will quit asking it to do the thing that it was never intended to do, and so that we won't keep on finding ourselves in this situation. Ronald Reagan said this, democracy is less a system of government than it is a system to keep government government limited, unintrusive, a system of constraints on power to keep politics and government secondary to the important things in life, the true sources of value found only in family and faith. So you see, the American government was merely an institution to allow you the freedom to do the things that so often we want the government to do for us. I mean, it's undeniable that our government was created by benevolent people and we want benevolent leaders. I'm not decrying that. I'm not saying that they shouldn't use benevolence in their decision-making. I'm, I'm just simply suggesting this. Not that we need heartless leaders, but that we need leaders who revere humanity enough to stick to their lane. We need a political class with enough humility to realize their own limitations to know that the most loving thing that they could do is restrict government and to enforce laws so that the people who have lawfully ascribed to this way of life can have the freedom to pursue life and liberty and happiness. And by the way, for those of you who are curious, this is a sentiment that is echoed in the Bible. In the book of Timothy, it says this, and this is 1 Timothy 2.2, pray for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So in other words, that scripture verse just tells Christians this, that the role of kings or political leaders is just simply that they would have the sense to help people lead quiet and peaceable lives. That's what they're supposed to do so that those people can then go and live the lives that they need to and create the institution, institutions they need to that will truly be benevolent and truly do the things that the government cannot do. 
And here's why the government can't be our source of hope and the government can't do these things. Think about it this way. If the government became the source of benevolence, they would always find a way to hurt somebody on the other side of the aisle for political gamesmanship. Now, and, and they would do so at the expense of forgetting about the repercussions and the casualties of their actions and their decision making. They would do things just so that they could get ahead. They would be making political decisions. That's why the political needs to be as restricted as much as possible, because people get hurt when they are not. This is why the institution of the church is best suited for benevolence, not the government, because pastors are not running for office. If nothing else, the incentive structure is vastly less compromised. So even if you don't agree with me on the last point, you, can, you have to agree that the church is less compromised than the government and politicians. Pastors and Christians don't give because they can get votes in return. They give because it feels good to do the right thing. But they're also instructed to do so, by the way, even when it doesn't feel good, because they are called to follow a guy who was willing to get hurt and give to people anyway. So the Bible won't let Christians settle for false virtue signaling in kumbaya songs. This land is your land. This land is my land. From the fields of Charleston to the fields of cotton. From the crowded prisons to the streets of Ferguson. Look, I'm sorry, I can't take those people seriously at all, even though they're supposedly coming from a Christian perspective. Get those fools to start singing about the horrors of gender-affirming care, quote-unquote gender-affirming care, and how awful it is to put people, adults, and children through that, and then I might take them seriously. But until then, the most compassionate thing we can do is have strong borders to protect those in and outside of them. This will keep people with fake benevolence from actually having to walk in the light and then flee like vampires the moment they actually need to put their money where their mouth is. As a Christian, I personally am very pro-border uh, security, politically, but personally, if I find a person who was an illegal immigrant, I would give them the shirt off my back because they're in the country and I can't do anything about it now, it's, it's in the past. And by the way, I did this just recently with a very young girl, had to be in her late 20s maybe, uh, that had a small baby from Guatemala and she was here illegally and was homeless and had nowhere to go. Well, I didn't literally take my shirt off because I don't want the sister to stumble, I just met her. Anyone for the juice bar? But it is stories like that woman that I met that make me and other people convinced that the best way to care about people is for the government to get out of the way as much as possible and just to enforce border security. And that the best way for people to come to this country is the legal way. So why do we have a whole generation of people and misguided Christians crying out for acts of benevolence from our government? Perhaps we're afraid to let the government stick to the enforcement of laws because then we won't have somebody to blame when benevolence doesn't take place. In other words, it takes the responsibility off of our shoulders as long as we can shift the blame and look at the government and then never have to look in the mirror and wonder why we aren't benevolent or wonder why we aren't doing things about what goes on at border towns every single day. 
perhaps fatherlessness is such an issue in America today that we're just desperately looking for somebody to be our daddy and Joe Biden will do the job. But I mean, really, do you want to be one of his kids? He's a grown man. He is the smartest man I know. I know this much. The government on immigration should make laws and enforce them. This is the best that they can do. Beyond that, they look for ways to manipulate the heartstrings of people for votes. That's it. And I, for one, am glad DeSantis and Abbott are calling BS on that stuff. If true democracy revolves around the proper relationship between the state and the people that are governed by the state, then for God's sake, divorce the government and find a church. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and go with God. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.